It's time to clip your last good piece and dig in because the runout starts now. Today's show is brought to you by Outdoor Research. If you need a great jacket, fleece, or any other outerwear, you know Outdoor Research has you covered. But building great outdoor gear is not all they're up to right now. They've seen a need in their community, and the folks at OR are not waiting around for somebody else to come to the rescue. So Outdoor Research is converting its onshore manufacturing facility in Seattle to produce personal protective equipment for the medical community in response to the COVID-19 crisis. This will enable Outdoor Research to produce upwards of 200,000 masks per day. For detailed info on OR's bold PPE manufacturing initiative, head to OutdoorResearch.com. And while you're there, check out the UberTube, which can double as an appropriate face mask for civilians. And frankly, if there was ever a time and place for the legendary Outdoor Research Ninja Clava, it's right here, right now. Okay, so America right now is basically the second season of The Walking Dead. We know how to kill the enemy, but somehow we still keep getting eaten by the zombies. Welcome to the apocalypse, fuckers. Only this apocalypse means no more moonboarding at your local gym and no more climbing at your favorite crag. Climbing is canceled. This is Andrew Bisharat. And I'm here, as always, with my smoking hot, albeit remote, co-host, Chris Calouse. And today, we are practicing our social distancing podcasting etiquette while speaking to Fabrizio Zangrelli, a climber, mega alpinist, and most importantly, the founder and owner of the Monkey House Climbing Gym in Carbondale, Colorado. Fabrizio agreed to speak to us today to share some insight into the real struggles that climbing gyms are going through amid COVID-19. Climbing gyms of all the outdoor businesses are getting hammered by this virus. And so Chris and I wanted to hear from the source what that actually means. Times are tough, people. No one knows what the future holds. Except that Glenn dies. We totally know that Glenn absolutely dies. And so, without further ado, Fabrizio Zangrelli. So this is a perfect opportunity for us to do our usual intro of um, what the current state of having young children is as a midlife crises mail and uh, especially relevant right now given that we're stuck at home with our children and so maybe we can share what that's like i'll go first uh <laughs> you know it, it's not that much different than my normal life actually normally miles is in school this time of year but in the summer i have him home a lot so uh you know there's a few things we can't do our favorite things are riding the bus and Obviously, playgrounds are closed and uh, going to the hot springs. And the hot springs is a big, saucy no-no of coronavirus. So um, we're not going to that. And uh, yeah, so we just, uh, we ride bikes a lot and um, wander around town. Yeah, we're in we're in a similar boat, um, and and I guess I should mention that we're here tonight with uh, Fabrizio Zangrelli, who is a 
founder and owner of the Monkey House Gym in Carbondale, Colorado. Um, and we're going to be talking about, you know, gyms in the current state of COVID-19. But uh, before we get into that, uh, Fabrizio, say hi. And, and uh, also you can tell us about your two young children and um, what kind of uh, new uh, status you, you're facing now that you're home with your young grommets. Yeah. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for... Uh for talking with me. Yeah, my life has been turned upside down. Normally, my one-year-old and four-year-old go to uh, daycare full-time. My wife works full-time, and I'm at the gym full-time. But uh, with daycare closed, you know, it's daddy daycare. And boy, that's just a, you know... A world of hate, frankly. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> you, 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 it's amazing. You know, it really like you know yeah. you, you spend so much quality time with your kids, but at the same time, it's also you know, frankly, like a disaster. It's this constant um, apprehension of how they're going to try and kill themselves by falling off the deck, or you know, he's four, she's one, he wants to play tickle, and you know, he's just super rough and. So I'm constantly like being policeman, which is not really the role I want to take with my kids. But it's interesting to see um, maybe how much of a helicopter dad uh, I really am. <laughs> right on. <laughs> I got to say the um, the imaginary play is the most uh, destructive and grating thing that I think anyone can do, any parent can do. I, I've got a tolerance of it of, of about 30 seconds and, you know, which is about three hours too short for uh, my almost four-year-old daughter. Yeah. And the other, the other thing I think I've come to realize is that um, I need to buy a dairy cow. The amount of milk that my <laughs> kids consume is just, it, it's hands down ridiculous. Well, we, we actually do have plenty of dairy cows in Carbondale, so you should be able to find either a dairy cow or a buffalo. I, I know I've got a yeah. good friend who's raising buffaloes out there too. I'm mostly looking for one that is um, trained on how to milk itself. It's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the runout for today. Um <laughs> All right. Well, let me let me ask you guys a more climbing pertinent question to maybe seg into our topic today. Are you uh, home training um, like so many climbers on the internet seem to be? Are you guys home actually home trained? Not not this bullshit climbing on your cabinets thing, but the home training. Is that going okay for you, Andrew? Well, I got to say that the uh, one of the worst things that's happened to our amazing and prestigious sport of climbing in the last few weeks is the emergence of people climbing on their cabinetry and furniture and sharing that on social media as as well as the uh pro climber who is now in a position of being unable and un knowing what to share with their audience (laughs) of hundreds of thousands of people and coming up with silly ideas about, you know, sharing their fingerboard routine or whatever. And so it's been a little grating just to be on social media to see these things. But, um, yes, I've, I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been training in my garage, but you have a, a pretty good home training yeah. setup. So, I mean, you know, it's not as if like this has changed that. No, no. So and you're pretty lucky. 
Yeah, I'm lucky and psyched. And, you know, it kind of all comes full circle because I remember when I was spending those like perfect October weekends building this, you know, my moon board and, you know, my friends are like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like splitter conditions. Why aren't you climbing? Well, guess who has a fucking sweet moon board in the garage right now? It's not you. So suck it. Right. Um, so I feel okay about this, about, you know, sharing my, this is my time to shine, frankly, is showing off the fruits of my labor, which came at the expense of like sending anything worth, uh, worth posting on 8a.nu. I I gotta be honest with you. I like, I see these, um, pictures of people climbing around their kitchen or, you know, the underside of their stairs and like transferring up to the second story. And I'm just waiting for the first person or the or the report of the first person who fell off and mm. is now actually injured and it just really looks goofy to me it, i hope that they would make it into accidents of north american mountain it would have to right <laughs> i mean it, it just would and i think the frequency is going to be really high here given the you know that might yeah. be all that they get to report on that's all they're going to report about yeah. this year yeah exactly yeah. Uh, the, the, the best one I've seen so far is a hold company called 360 out of Slovenia that their April Fool's post was due to the popularity of cabinetry climbing. We have come out with a whole range and they had bolted cabinets to their training wall. I mean, you could start a company called El Cabinetry, which oh, would be yeah, it would be a designer. <laughs> designer climbing walls there you can also store your flour and uh, pasta um did you did you pre-prep that i didn't that was amazing that was amazing so cabinetry oh cabinetry oh man that's what people come here for all right can we get on to our topic well so let's get down to it because fabrizio one of the things i've been seeing on social media is you've been so you, you're a founder and owner of um, the Monkey House in Carbondale, which, of course, like many gyms around the country, maybe all gyms around the country is closed at the moment. But it seems as though you've been uh, you've got your own private little gym to yourself that you've been able to set holds on and climb on. And what have you been up to the last few weeks? Yeah. I mean, you know, not to one up you obviously, but I mean, I invested about (laughs) 1.3 million into my personal gym and it's a bit bigger than yours. And I have a tension board and a kilter board (laughs) and I've got 20 foot walls to play on. So yeah, you know, since the shutdown, unfortunately it's just been a ridiculous amount of work we decided to, I think most gyms will as well, strip the walls of all the holds and clean them properly. And that so, was for sanitary reasons. I pause here because, you know, it, is it for sanitary reasons? You know, the, 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 the findings from CDC is that coronavirus lives on plastic for maybe up to five days. And so it seems like we're going to be closed for, you know, a virtual fucking millennia. So I don't really know if coronavirus would be there but i think in anticipation that we do make a good run it opening again i think people are going to walk in and go are these new holds and are they clean and so i think we want to in all aspects just kind of hit the hit the ground running just give us like a quick you know 60 second bio of your climbing career and because you're certainly not just any gym owner so tell us who you are as a climber um 
yeah, before I had the gym, I, I used to really be into alpine climbing. I used to spend a lot of time traveling around the world. And I was lucky enough to have a little bit of sponsorship that kind of helped with that. I worked as a mountain guide as well, but I would spend a good portion of the year climbing in Pakistan, Nepal, Tibet, um, Patagonia. And it was, it was a pretty good gig for, for a long run. And then I got a bit injured. So that was the impetus for kind of opening the gym. Really. I hurt my back pretty badly, needed a little bit of work done on it. And I kind of had to give up, um, being a mountain guide. And I, I knew, you know, that it was a viable option in the Valley. It's just, it took two years of time to, to really piece it together and, and come up with what that viable option was. But, you know, we have so many active people, whether they're actually core climbers or just generalists that were going to come in. And I, I just kind of had the hunch that it was going to work. Yeah. One of the interesting things about the monkey house that um, I've found so interesting is who the fuck are all these people? I mean, you go in there and you're like, these are all climbers. I've never seen them before. But they're clearly they're they're not just like you know first day climbers. They're, they're people who've climbed, and so it does create this hub of people and this community where you meet you meet people who live in the same town as you, who have the same interest as you in a way that um, you know outdoor climbing doesn't. Yeah, it's so funny that you say that because it's like previous to the monkey house, you know, I would have said there was like thirty two climbers and. <laughs> in the Roaring Fork Valley and I knew like 30 of them. So like no big deal. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. I agree with you 100%. I'm like, wow, look at all these people and they all climb really well. And how is that possible? And where have you been climbing? And yeah, it's pretty hilarious actually. It's really weird though, huh? Isn't it how like a bit of plastic bolted to a plywood wall brings out these people who you, you never saw them. You didn't know they existed, but then they show up and they climb pretty darn good. Yeah, and for sure. It's it's weird how, you know, if we lived in Salt Lake, it would be understandable how you don't know every climber. But here in a town of 12, um, seemingly, right. <laughs> you thought you would have. It's weird. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. And the, one thing I want to uh, just briefly touch on, just this topic of root setting, because you have a small gym. I don't, I don't know the exact square footage, but it, you know, it's a small gym. shoebox. It's a shoebox. But the, the, all the boulders that are set are really good. And, um, it adds so much value to a tiny amount of space, which I go to gyms that are four or five times as big as the monkey house. And I'm less engaged, you know, borderline angry because the setting is so bad um and so you you've you've done a great job of just putting a premium on setting good interesting problems that don't just feel like gym problems they kind of cater to an outdoor climber which makes sense in in the roaring fork valley so what's your philosophy just about setting and in terms of that as being a, a viable gym business. Yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. That's real nice. To, nice to hear. But, um, you know, here's the reality in a gym, right? You have, we have one product and that's the plastic that's bolted to your wall. 
And so many um, people don't understand that. And so many people don't understand that. And, you know, we've maybe been excessive in, in terms of um, constantly buying holds and, and trying to seek out like fun holds and kind of spending a lot of time uh, learning about what's coming out and being ahead of the game. And, you know, the, the, we just... Luckily, the week before we closed, we you know we received two sets of fourteen in North America that are going to the Olympics, and, and you know which is a weird thing for such a small facility in the middle of nowhere to do. But I think it's really important because that's our number one product is is the plastic bolted to the wall, and then the way it's bolted to the wall. And the other thing I've done is you know really invest in quality guest setters to come in, and I think that that's really important. It, it's just really great to have outside vision that comes in and teaches you how to do new tricks. And we've probably, in, in two years of business, we've brought in something like 35 guest setters that are head setters at and major climbing institutions around the country. And we've brought them in. We've had them come in from the Northeast, the Southeast, the Northwest, from the front range, from Salt Lake. And there you know, a lot of big name setters that are psyched to get a little extra cash. And, and we as a setting crew can learn from them. And it's been really fun. It's expensive. But I think that ultimately is the only product that the customer really interfaces with. You know, better have someone who really understands that at a gym, I think. And, and if you do, it goes a long way. Why all the blobs? Why do we have to climb on giant blobs? <laughs> because Chris, I'm looking at. I mean, uh, it, we have. I, how long has it been since the gym was opened? Uh, 19 months ago. No, I mean, how long has it been since you closed for the for the the pandemic? Oh, uh, three weeks. Yeah, and I still am looking at like scabs on my elbows from banging into those fucking blobs. That's hey, bad man. technique, Chris. Bad technique, Chris. You know what I'm you saying? You have bad gym technique. You you, bad. You've got go. You're the, you're the Indian Creek Gumby with gobies on the back of your hand. Why the fuck are you climbing. hip scumming these things? Are man? you are you talking? Are you saying that you guys never bang your elbow on never. a giant blob never. like that's on a root that's like <laughs> two roots away from you? No, man. Only only on my worst days. <laughs> only only when, right. when we're displaying phenomenally right. bad technique. Yeah, but I will say I will say this. You know, I, I, I and of course, you know, you can love or hate them. But um, the interesting thing about these big modern holds is the movement that they create, and how frustrating it is when it's not your style. But if you can learn to play on those, boy, oh boy, you know it. It it really does help your ability to understand your body in space. That's all I'll say to that. I guess let's cut right to the chase and, and you can give us answer this however you want, but how, how serious is this situation for climbing gym owners in general? And maybe even you could speak specifically to small climbing gym owners. I don't want to understate the severity, but I mean, it's fucking disaster. The climbing wall association, which is like our, you know, our, our trade association has, these great two time a week, Tuesday and Thursday calling meetings. And they seem to be attended by virtually 75% of all gym owners right now. And you listen to the stories. I don't know. The industry is probably at 97% unemployment right now. 
And we were kind of going through this big boom phase in the industry. And I'd say a lot of gyms were going through expansion. We're, I think we're about to see a bloodbath of some of the biggest and best gyms who are you know, really cash poor and struggling to figure out a way to debt service right now. And I think if this goes on for, without being overly gloomy, if this goes on for another 45 days, we're going to start to see really big gyms shut down. Well, yeah, I think that you're really touching on an interesting aspect of, of our current era, which is that we've, uh, to your point, we've just experienced the last like, you know, five, 10, even really 15 years where the expansion of climbing gyms has been the number one story in our sport. And uh, it almost seemed as though, you know, you couldn't go wrong opening a climbing gym almost anywhere. And, you know, we've, we've gone from a hundred gyms to f- almost 500 gyms in the last 20 years or something like that. And, and this was really, you know, in more ways than one, this was 2020 was meant to be the, the pinnacle year of of climbing and climbing gyms in so far as this is the year that climbing had made it into the Olympics, which is, you know, I guess maybe a tangential outgrowth of gyms and gym culture. Um, this is supposed to be climbing's biggest year yet. And now, you know, it's looking as though climbing gyms especially are being especially hard hit. The Olympics got delayed for a year. There's like a certain profundity or just tragedy to, to the fact that this happened this year of all years. The, the whole Olympics thing is, is really interesting, right? Because it, it is probably driven by this growth in indoor climbing. And, you know, I've been, I've been consulting on the opening of seven gyms and everyone, the big question everybody has for me when, when I start with them is, you know, what's the effect of the Olympics? And I've been telling people zero that, that, um, in terms of driving business, I didn't think the Olympics were actually going to do anything for us because certainly you're not going to see, you know, Yanya at 8 PM on NBC, um, on a, you know, on a, on a Tuesday night, right. Climbing, would be broadcast on a, on a satellite station at 4am. Right. So no one's going to see it. I think people that were expecting to see anything out of the Olympics financially were going to lose in any case, but yeah, this is supposed to be our like crowning achievement year as an industry. And it just kind of collapsed. It's a, it's a poorly made souffle. So building on that, I, I was, I kind of have a question about, um, about that pinnacle or about, you know, the amount of gyms that have been growing and, and, and popping up and all these statistics, we've talked to about them here on the run out about, you know, 10,000 new climbers every hour or whatever it happens to be. Um, it, it, I mean, to be honest with you, it seemed inflated to me. It seemed like a lot of things in the United States right now were, you know, turned out to be a little less substantial than we thought they were. It felt as though there were too many gyms and the fact that I turned around and there was a bigger one and a bigger one and a bigger one. And I'm like, who, where, how is this all happening? Is it possible that this is, that there was a bit of a bubble that this burst anyway? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, my opinion is there weren't too many gyms. My opinion is that there were too many big gyms. I mean, for God's sake, who needs 50,000 
square feet of climbing surface in one facility, right? I mean, I don't want to speak specifically about some numbers that I know for really big gym chains that look like they would be so successful, but they just can't service the debt. And they're, you know, they've been looking quietly for partners or to sell for the last couple of years. By the way, they've only been open the last couple of years. So I think you're absolutely right about these mega gyms that they're just, they're too much of a luxury. I don't think people realize how expensive holds are, quality holds are, and how expensive walls are and flooring are. And they're, they're just, it's just goofy. And then obviously rent or building a purpose-built building, it's just kind of a ridiculous business model, to be honest. So do you think that the big gyms are going to be hit hardest by the by this COVID-19 pandemic or No, I think the um you know the big gyms, you know when I listen in at this on these uh Zoom conference things um twice a week at CWA, the big gyms had enough cash flow mm-hmm. for a while that they're able to to keep some employees you know, probably not part-time, but at least they paid them out for a month. So I think that the biggest chain, two chains are probably just fine. And that's, you know, a level of business acumen that most of us don't have to start accruing massive gyms into a, you know, a company. But, um, I think the ones that are going to get the hardest hit are these, you know, 15 to 20,000 square foot gyms that um, were really too big for a core community and really relied on day passes. And because, you know, let's say that we open whatever day we are able to open again, I think there's going to be some hesitancy in the general population given the level of unemployment that we're seeing. Who's got the money to go to gyms? Is there a model where gyms could become uh funded just by servicing a single luxury you know extremely wealthy person who could rent the gym for the month and have their own little crag i would love to find that person we should talk because i i I might be interested chris get off the get off the line (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) right on (laughs) (laughs) no i mean you know speaking specifically to to to, uh, you know Building on that, I mean, anybody in Aspen listening, we're right down the road. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can even be there if you want, or I just won't even be there. I really don't care. Building on that, you know, the beauty of the small gym model is maybe things have to change in terms of business when we open up. Can we staff the gym 57 hours a week? I don't know. And I think... You know, the last few days I've been looking at putting in, you know, a key fob system. So there's 24 hour access to the gym. We've, we've just been looking at different business models. And I think a lot of people are going to do that. But I, I don't think you can do that at, you know, a 15,000 square foot facility, right? You're just going to end up with too many problems. One thing I wanted to ask um, is, you know, these gyms, uh, your gym in particular, you know, uh, I'm a member and, and I know Andrew climbs there a lot. And, you know, these gyms, a lot of them are real community centers for the climbing community that's in that area. Some some are and some aren't. I mean, there's definitely a, a gyms that, that feel like they're a little bit more, like you said, you know, 
servicing day pass kind of people and that kind of thing. But thinking about that in terms of uh, what the gym is as a centerpiece of a community, what do you think the community can do? Uh, do you believe they have uh, any sort of sort of responsibility to try to help these gyms survive? Is there anything that people can be doing? I mean, short of obviously sending you bags of money at right, this time. To make sure I mean, everybody has the correct mailing address. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, um, but you know, I mean, just like thinking about your community center and, and what these gyms mean. I, I know the gyms I've belonged to and, and climbed out a lot of times feel like this epicenter of the climbing community and without them, everything changes. So um, yeah, are, are there things you can do? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of things you can do and it's an interesting question. You, you specifically use the word responsibility and yes, you said, do members have a responsibility to maybe contribute or help out? And the answer to that is obviously no. And I, and I, and I firmly believe that. However, there's just a real reality that we're all going out of business. Maybe some of us bleeding slower to death, but ultimately we're all going out of business here. So if you like what your gym has to offer, try and support it. The problem is, right, every, for every member that we have, Climbing might be their big thing, but there's also a restaurant that they really like, or there's a yoga studio that they really like. And so when no one has a job, how do you start distributing that help, if that right. makes sense? So I think that's the biggest thing. Now, when you go back to community, maybe in poor taste, we kind of we kind of hung our heart on our sleeve the other night on social media and just said, you know, this is, this is just a fucking bad situation. And so... Do, if if people want us to stay there, I think they they need to help. Not just me, all gyms. And I, I, the best way that I think you can do that is we closed on the 16th of March. Um, so in theory, for a bunch of our members, EFT members, because we we don't run them on one on only one day of the month, we run them whatever day you sign up is your EFT day. It would be amazing if you could send us an email or anybody else listening, send your gym an email and say, you forgive that month that, that when I open, I can run your EFT again and that you forgive me 15 days of, or 20 days of business. Um, because the worst thing is going to be, we open, I have to start paying staff and then I'm going to go through another pay period without much revenue. And that's just not possible, frankly. So I think that's actually super helpful to the majority of gyms is the day we're open, we're able to run EFTs on that day. So here's a question. Um, I mean, this pandemic is in some ways not as bad as it could be. The prospect of a, of a truly serious pandemic that's like tenfold what we're seeing is certainly on the table at some point. Now that this has become our reality, what changes, assuming, let's say we, you know, we come out of this in, you know, two months, one month, six months, whatever it is, business is back as usual. How do you think about your business and going forward now that you know that this is a potential reality we all face? Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a phenomenally good question because nobody has the answer to that, right? However, I think there's very little you can do other than go back to what your business model was and hope for the best because you wrote a business plan, you came up with 
you know, worst case scenario of how you got by month to month. And that was your worst case scenario. And, and now obviously it's like 10 times worse. Right. And so, so there is no model for continuing business in a shittier scenario, you know, because we're like passive bystanders, right? The virus does what the virus does. And what can we really do? It's not as if like the climbing gym industry or the restaurant industry controls the virus. And, and I get this like distancing thing, but I, as a business, I don't know what you do. I think this applies to restaurants. I think this applies to all service industry, basically. I don't know how you streamline it anymore. So if this is going to continue, if, if, if modern life is a COVID coronavirus based life product now, then I just don't know how we continue given that our answer has been to shut everything down. What's your prediction in the near future? My sense is that people are going to be tired of this social distancing and they're going to want to go climbing. They're going to want to go do the things that they want to do. I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but there's going to be a point where people are just like, fuck this. I'm living my life as normal. That sense is going to be independent of what is, you know, the, the scientists or experts might say is the correct decision for the way to behave. And uh, and so I'm I'm interested to know, like, just what both of you, what your best guesses are in terms of the climbing community and how we respond to this going forward. I think, honestly, um, you know, in Colorado, we're basically shut down till April 31. I honestly feel as a collective, we're going to have troubles if we try and push this for another 15 or 30 days. I don't think people are going to be able to handle it. And I, and I say that not just from the perspective of the economy is the worst since pre-World War II. Unemployment, effective unemployment. I mean, real unemployment this week is 4% nationally, but the reality is those numbers are, are you know, delayed. So we're probably at nationally something like, you know, 15% unemployment right now. I think it's going to be the 1960s all over again here very quickly because people just are not happy about it. And I think I don't want to go out on a limb and get lynched here because. Oh, please do. Yeah, exactly. Um, We don't live in New York and we're not in, in Italy. We're not in Spain, right? Our valley here seems to be while well, obviously there's people that we know in common that that I guess have have covid-19 but in general I think we're small enough we're responsible enough that we can find ways to go back to some form of commerce here at the end of the month because if you if you say to me well we have to be closed for another 15 days What's that really going to do? So do we have to just shut everything down for six months? Is that the real answer? Given that the speed at which it's going to travel around the globe time and time and time again, right? I'm not so sure that, um, you know, it's coming up to prime rifle season, right? Yeah. Are you really going to stop people from going there? I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to honestly. People are going out to rifle. Yeah, no, exactly. So you're going to have to get police out there. And then it's like, we start. Really asking constitutional questions that are 
above my pay grade, but about freedom of movement, um, that I'm not so sure that, that this administration wants to tackle that. Uh, for better or for worse, I kind of like that concept in the back of my head. Chris, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Sorry, I fell asleep. I, I, you know, I don't know, dude. I, I have no fucking clue what's going to happen. I mean, the basis of so many of these questions is that the, you know, the United States is fucking blown it so bad. We had our first case the same day as Korea did, and Korea did something about it. Korea did what they were supposed to do about it, and what happens going forward now is such a crapshoot because we have no idea what is actually happening at a supply level, at a government level, at a research level. And my guess is nothing, nothing is happening at any of those levels. And so 30 days from now is a complete and utter mystery. There's so many places around the world that are so far ahead of what we're doing as a country. And so, yeah, your business model is fucked if the government doesn't have a system in here to deal with these pandemics and you're on your own. I mean, when it comes down to a gym owner needing to plan for a national pandemic, a small business owner needs to have a backup plan that the, the government has completely failed. If that's the case, if every person out there who has a business has to have a pandemic plan at this point because the government doesn't fucking have one. So, I mean, it's just so hard to say what is going to be happening in 30 days from now. You know, are there going to be tests? Is Nobody knows because we have a completely useless, utterly unscience-based shithouse as a government right now. So that's what I have to say about it. Who knows what in 31 days or 20 days or whatever it is, is going to be happening. Who okay. Knows? But Chris, what, what happens in 30, what happens if when on the 31st polis says we need another 30 days? I don't know, dude. I mean, do who knows? That's you what I'm saying. We're going to take to the streets and start fucking rioting. Well, what, what are you going to, what are they going to do? I mean, you know, some will, some won't. Some are scared. Some stay home. Some will go out there and it, it'll be basically fucking anarchy. And the thing is, is that the government is not ready for that. They're not ready for hurricane season, which is about to start. They're not ready for anything. They, the, the, the government has been dismantled over the last 30 years, like completely dismantled and left in, this like hulk, this like empty husk of itself. And, you know, all of a sudden it needs to actually do something and nobody can do anything because it's not there. It doesn't exist. It's not that it's it, it's not working. It's like it doesn't exist. It's a hollow shell, you know. And so now we're fucked. I mean, the two week thing yeah, we're is fucked. I mean, like, I think yeah. this is going to stretch on way wor worse than we're really anticipating. Totally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, well, but the, but then but then. Honestly, everything will close then. Yeah. Like all businesses will close. And so what, I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but I mean, like, what the fuck's the point? Like, you know, what are we kind of like saving ourselves for? Because, you know, there's going to be like nothing on the other side. Yeah, but I mean that's just that 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 also. I mean, did that sound gloomier than I meant it to be? Yeah, no. but th th that's it's... like that's so like that's so modern because you, you th I mean th that's what happened in the Great Depression, you know, and people didn't kill everybody. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, shit was horrible for five or six years, you know, seven or eight years, a whole decade, really, you know, and 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 then it took a major world war to 
Right. Exactly. But, but I mean, yeah, you no, know, I we're, think we're in day, we're in day like, tw- right. We're in day 23, like 24. Yeah. And this, to think that could, like, this could yeah. lead to a depression and a world war. I don't think that's like an un, uh, educated presumption to make about this. I mean, like I said, we have no idea. <laughs> well, you know, like one thing that I would say is that I hope gyms open as soon as possible. So people stop climbing on their kitchen cabinets i really hope gyms open as soon as possible so that l cabinetry doesn't become a thing right If you have a comment, topic suggestion, or just a good bit of climbing trivia, join us at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash runoutpodcast, or drop us a line at our webpage, runoutpodcast.com.